Thanks so much for joining me. I am Pius Kujobaka. We can now settle for the stories and the woes of the Ghana city deepened in January this year, despite the inflow of the $600 million International Monetary Fund package. This is due to some payments of energy sector debt to power producers, a piece of information confirmed to joint business by some currency traders with commercial banks. Joy Biafe has more. The Ghana city since the last quarter of 2023 posted one of its longest relative stability against the U.S. dollar. However, it started recording some blips last month. Some industry watchers described this development as interesting, especially at the time that Ghana managed to pass its first program review with the IMF and later received the first tranche of cash during that month, but some currency traders working with the banks have told your business that there has been some fresh payments made to the power producers in the energy sector to prevent any outages, which has largely contributed to the sudden pressure on the Ghana city. This sent signals to the market that the Bank of Ghana's reserves could be coming under some pressure, coupled with the normal demand from businesses that want to restock for the year and some payments made to the agri sector. However, news of the Bank of Ghana's reserves has crossed over $6 billion, well as the more than $300 million from the World Bank that should be coming in soon could change this trend. But for some, unless you cross the first quarter of this year, they will still argue that the stability of the Ghana city is yet to be tested. All right, so let's interrogate this further, and we've been joined by currency analyst at Data Bank, Kweku Akokumsen, for some analysis on this. Thanks so much, Kweku, for your time here on the marketplace. Uh, does it come to you as a surprise that the second tranche of the IMF funds is not having significant impact on the city yet? And why is that so? Well, um, it, it's not necessarily surprising. It's not necessarily surprising, honestly, because... When you look at the, um, the dictates of the IMF program, um, you'd realize that as part of the program, if I one of the major objectives is to um, build, beef up our external buffer um, sustainably, and with that, um, the central bank's um, obligation to, or if I should say, commitment um, to intervene in the market has uh, basically been limited to just smoothing over um, erratic movements in the city. And as such, um, they, are, they are most likely not to come to market to sell so much effects in a bid to uh, steer the city towards a certain direction. And as such, really, um, uh, we, we are adopting a much, much more flexible exchange rate system. And with that, looking at the city always being a depreciation bias currency, we are likely to see it on a downward trend, despite improvements in liquidity. So the, the depreciation we are seeing in the city currently, like was mentioned earlier by the reports from George, as we saw some um, energy sector payments and also um, demand pressures from the manufacturing and also the aggregate side. I think that's, that's um, putting some pressure on the Ghana city, on the market currently. Mm, interesting. And if it is the case, as we have been told by this report filed by my colleague George, that it is due to some payments of energy sector debt um, to power producers, for how long will this um, continue? Okay, so um, in terms of how long that will continue, I think looking at the market, you realize that it's still, it's still um, um, if, if I use the word, uh, mimicking some of the volatile uh, 
portions or episodes we saw from um, last year where demand is um, on and off in an undulating manner. And as such, um, we are likely to see such volatility as well in the market. And it's also, it's also um, good to keep in mind that um, this year being an election year, typically you would see um, foreign investor participation in markets quite limited, both on the fixed income side and also on the equity side. And as such, uh, the uh, liquidity typically they would introduce into the market to help stem all these demand pressures uh, may be quite absent. You get it. So I think that's that's also one of the reasons that's contributing to this demand. So generally, for the for the city this year, we are we are likely to see a depreciating trend. Although you realize that this trend is not as steep as we saw in the first quarter of last year, where I think by mid-February, the city had lost about 11% year-to-date as compared to the 2.21% we are seeing currently. But either ways, um, we've got to see some um, stability in the exchange rate. What more can the Bank of Ghana do or managers of the economy do in the short to medium term to you know, help us um, achieve this um, prediction? I think in, in the short to medium medium term, um, looking at how we, we progress generally in the deal and uh, getting clarity more on the commercial data. I think um, looking at, or if I should break the demand of effects down, the speculative bits of demand would really still thrive on the uncertainty as to the terms of restructuring on the external debt and how we feel that will play for uh, external buffer or the strain it will present on our external buffer. And we feel if, if, if Ghana is likely to get a moratorium like we've got on the bilateral debt side, then at least the reserves can be rebuilt um, sustainably or the external buffer can be rebuilt sustainably, strengthening the central bank's uh, intervention to smoothing any movements, erratic movements in the city. But if the terms are not so much favorable, then it's quite, um, it will be quite a challenge on our side. And also, I think one, one, one item we also have to look at is when uh, the U.S. Um, Federal Reserve would uh, pivot uh, policy towards the dovish side. Because um, looking at the numbers and the tone from the U.S. Federal Reserve chairman, is to maintain that rates may just be kept uh, a bit longer. And the expected decline that we are we are looking for in um, U.S. Fed rates may delay a bit. And as such, uh, we, we feel that would also exert some pressure on the CD. And so when the, the U.S. Fed at least tilts policy towards the dovish side, we are indeed grateful for your time here on the marketplace speaking to us on the back of the performance of the city there. Let's stay a while longer on money matters because interest rates fell for the fifth consecutive week on the yields curve. That's according to results of Treasury bills auctioned by the Bank of Ghana. This is expected to help reduce marginally the cost of the government's domestic debt. More in this report. Interest rates continue to ease following an expected decline in inflation in January 2024. The rate on the 91-day bill went down by 30 basis points to 28.29%. That of the 182-day bill also took a nosedive to 30.79% from the previous weeks of 31.09%. 
The one-year bill also dropped to 31.39% from the preceding weeks of 31.79%. Meanwhile, demand for T-bills remained high as the government secured 4.52 billion cities from the sale of the short-term securities. This represented about 58% oversubscription. The majority of the bids came from the 91-day bill in which the uptake was 1.914 billion cities. This was approximately 42.27%. The 364-day bill followed suit with a subscription of 1.402 billion cities. All the bids were accepted. The 182-day bill also saw bids worth 1.211 billion tended. All the bids were accepted. Solutions is forecasting upside risks to the country's interest rates projection. That's according to its latest article dubbed more interest rate cuts on the way in Ghana following cautious start of easing cycle. Here's a report. UK-based firm said an escalation in geopolitical tensions could disrupt global trade leading to further increases in global commodity prices. As Ghana is a net importer of both fuel and food items, such an increase would raise the cost of imports and disrupt the disinflation process. It added there's also a risk that negotiations between Ghana and its commercial creditors will stall and take longer than currently anticipated. This would delay international monetary fund disbursements and weaken investor confidence, resulting in a sell-off of the CD and a resurgence of inflation. In both scenarios, it said the Bank of Ghana would embark on a more conservative monetary easing cycle than currently forecast. And I would like to bring in the head of trading at Republic Securities, Patrick Edem Agama, as he joins me via Zoom. Edem, thanks so much for joining me on the marketplace. I guess this doesn't come to you as a surprise that interest rates keep falling on the yield curve to 28.29% with an oversubscription of um, 59%, does it? Well, um, good afternoon. It's not a surprise looking at the pricing uh, guidance and uh, the results, you see that the pricing guidance are working. The control measure is actually taking place. And also, if you look at the, the, the turnout, you see that the investor appetite is still rising. It means there's confidence coming back to the market. Investors are trusting the government now. So we expect this trend to continue. I see. And this is expected to help reduce marginally the cost of government's domestic debt, right? Yes, yes, that, 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 that's actually going to reduce it, uh, but uh, it depends on how sustainable this will be. There are threats to this uh, trend, uh, as reported by Fitch. We, 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 we are seeing that uh, if this is not controlled or this is not continued, that can actually change the trend. The policy rate is also going through that same trend. Inflation is also dropping, and if this is also not controlled well, we should expect interest rate to start rising. In the meantime, um, Fish Solutions is forecasting upside risks to the country's interest rate projection. Does that also come to you as a surprise? Well, it's not a surprise. Uh, mm-hmm. Investors are still watching. You know, the confidence of this market has been uh, shaken before, so we expect investors to know that so far as we have a history of government coming in to do something that will reduce confidence in the market, uh, we expect that that can happen in the future. We, the, the history is teaching us lessons. So if we're able to follow that same trend and something happens, that can shake in actually the confidence in the market. And when that happens, we expect interest rate to rise really sharply. Uh, we're also looking at the exchange rate and see how well that can be controlled. So with all this coming in, 
we are, we, we are hoping things will get better, but if this is not controlled well, we will get back to the same place we came from. All right, Patrick, um, it's the first working day of the week, and what are we to expect in the capital market? Well, in the capital market, we are seeing that there's still uh, dominance in activity in M- MTN. We've seen some trades already happening on the market today. We expect more to happen. We are also seeing significant pressure on some stocks like uh, Enterprise Group and Societe General. Whilst on the buy side, we are seeing so much interest in Unilever and GCB. Uh, we are also expecting this to happen and continue. On the money market front, we are expecting government to target 4.5 billion in the next auction. That is quite uh, a lot, and that will be a test of uh, investor confidence in government. Patrick Edemagama, head of Trading Republic Securities, we are grateful for your time here on the marketplace speaking to us there. Let's shift focus now to one of our headline stories. The Chamber of Independent Power Generators Ghana has described the Emissions Levy Act 2023 as a political risk which will increase the cost of power. According to Chief Executive Officer of the Chamber, Dr. Eliprima Kwabla Apertogbo, the emissions levy would trigger an increase in electricity tariffs. Now, he joins us live for a discussion on this. Thanks so much, sir, for joining me on the marketplace. I'd want you to, first off, explain to us um, why you think the Emissions Levy Act 2023 will increase the cost of power in your statement. Thank you very much, Pius. Good afternoon. Good afternoon uh, to you. Yeah. Basically, it's important to appreciate the underlying ob- objective for passing this particular law. I described it as a political risk. Political risk comes in many forms with their unique implications for businesses. And in our case, as power generators, we call this a change in law that has implication on our cost builder. And what that means is we have a fixed tariff for our PPA term. That is for the number of years that our contract takes. There can only be a change in our tariff when there is a change in law that results in cost implications. And that is exactly what the Emissions Levy Act represents. Mm. So in the implementation of our agreement, we have an understanding or clause that suggests that any time there is any issue, like a new regulation, new directives, that adds to our cause. This cause should be passed through to the distributor, then to the end user. That means the statutory incidents will not rest with us, the generators. It will be passed on to the end user. So that's what it means, basically. Hmm. And you said in your statement that implementation of the Emissions Levy Act 2023 necessitates an equal measure of review of the electricity generation tariff to ensure the predictability of the cash flow obligations of the power producers. Why do you think so? What that means, based on the explanation I provided, assuming it is 10% increment on our cost, the equal measure or the equal transfer will be 10% to the distributor. And the distributor as well will transfer that equal measure to the consumer. 
But don't you think it's too much for the consumer to bear the brunt of all of these? Yes, that is why it is always advisable that anytime there's going to be these policies or directives, let's have a broader consultation. Let us digest the consequences of these decisions so that at the end, we do not transfer unnecessary pressure to the consumer. We desire to make our power sector very competitive as possible for the promotion of businesses. So we are equally concerned about it. An engagement may have brought about some suggestions or a better way of doing it. Um, so in essence, if um, the levy you know, is implemented, um, how soon should the consumer be ready to you know, bear the brand? Once it is implemented, I think we are also ready. If we have served our liability to pay, we pay, it must be transferred as soon as we have remitted funds for it. So is it immediate effect. And wouldn't you consider any um, proposal to government to reconsider or petitioning, so to speak, to government to reconsider this? Wouldn't you do that? I think this is a responsibility of the off-taker the one who will bear the, the incidents at the end of the day to take Fortunately, it's a state-owned enterprise, so they have to take this responsibility to speak to government about it. All right. Thank you very much, Elipim Mafetogbo, for your time. time. CEO of the Chamber of Independent Power Generator uh, speaking to us there. Away from power-related stories, the Institute of Statistical, Social, and Economic Research is making a strong case for the government to address challenges affecting Ghana's cocoa sector. This comes on the back of the 2024 Economist Intelligence Unit Commodities Outlook, which indicates that the price of cocoa will go up. According to Director of Research Professor Peter Kwati, government should be swift in restructuring Ghana Cocoa Board and other critical areas within the cocoa value chain for the sector to improve on its revenue. Speaking to Joy Business, he also said government must act fast in dealing with labor demands. We should also look at what we are spending on, how we are spending the money, and whether that is an efficient uh, way of spending the money, and whether we are driving value for money. Now, let's look at this. We, uh, we happen to be in an election year. We've seen some labor unions agitating all that. Looking at the election year, how do we sort of manage labor demands? It's not new. We see labor agitations in election years. That is when they think they have to demand a pound of flesh. I mean, it happens all the time. But we have gone through, we have pulled through this. There are ways of engaging labor, making them understand the economic situation, making also appreciate your uh, standpoint. But also, it should also reflect in your lifestyle. If you want labor to accommodate certain hardship or accommodate uh, less or little increments rather than asking for higher increments, you also have to reflect on uh, the lifestyle of government, government appointees. Uh, no, let's be transparent. Finally, um, the EIU is saying there will be some sort of stabilization with respect to prices of some commodities, but there will be an increase with respect to cocoa and coffee. We're looking at Ghana. Now, we've seen Cocoa struggle, we've seen PBC and other. How do we take advantage of this increases based on the EIU report? Well, yes, uh, all things being equal, as, as we say, uh, because we're also very much aware that Galamse is destroying cocoa farms. So um, if we don't manage 
illegal mining, um, the output we generate from cocoa might not be what we'll be uh, generating now. And that's with the increase in prices, we might not benefit as much as we would have benefited. So we need to fight the illegal mining problem. And if we do so, then we can rake in the revenue from cocoa and um, also cocoa board and they certainly have to be supported. Um, I believe in the budget statement and also in the IMF uh, program, there were steps to ensure that Cocoa Board is uh, restructured, that there will be the, the um, Minister of Finance, for instance, said we're going to be part of the, the board and, and so many. So there are, there are steps or proposals that have been made. It's just putting them to practice to ensure that these organizations uh, operate efficiently, they are managed, uh, they are governed properly, efficiently. And once that is done, I believe in the next couple of years. Meanwhile, the Ghana Cocoa Board has stated that cocoa processing companies in Ghana are permitted by law to import cocoa beans into the country. This follows a leaked letter signed by the Chief Executive Officer, Joseph Bwain Edu to Afrotropic Cocoa Processing Company Limited, approving their importation of cocoa beans. But responding to the leaked letter, Public Relations Officer of Cocoa Board, Fifi Boafo, described the discussions on social media regarding the importation as misinformation. He explained that the practice has been in force for the past 20 years. The basis for any company to import from outside Ghana is what we've indicated in the uh, response or the letter we've indicated or we should. What it has to do with the recipe requirement of the company, too, it has to do with uh, cost management of that company and the operational strategy that company decides to employ. It is not uh, a new thing. It's something that has been part of the industry for some number of years. So uh, for a company to import cocoa and then blend here in Ghana, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, and it's a practice that is already known within the cocoa industry. The 2,500 uh, tons that is being imported, if you look at the production figures of Ghana, we do an average of about 850,000 metric tons, and this is 2,500 metric tons. Uh, certainly, you, you would all say that that is significant in terms of the production numbers we deal with in our country. The Korea International Corporation Agency, in partnership with Korea Food for the Hungry International, a charity-based organization, has set up a vocational training center in the Bungo district of the Upper East region, where 320 women have been enrolled to acquire vocational and business skills free of charge. Now, the beneficiaries will undergo a two-year training program which includes weaving, sewing, and learning business strategies. Correspondent Albert Sorry has more. Three vocational training centers have been built, one each at Zoko, Boko, and Balungu, all in the Bongo district. The centers will take a total of 220 women and young girls from these communities to start learning vocational skills, including the weaving of fugu fabrics, sewing, and business strategies. The projects are funded by the Korea International Cooperation Agency, COICA, in partnership with the Korea Food for the Hungry International, 
KFHI, an NGO working to raise awareness of poverty and hunger around the world. This project seeks to not only support the vulnerable, but also set a chance to transport creative mind to excel in both skills and business strategy in the future. So to generate income, which can be, can be achieved through cooperation and support from their family and communities. This is the Zoko Vocational Training Center, built and equipped with all the necessary logistics for the effective training of the beneficiaries. It also comes with a playroom for infants to make it easier for those of the trainees who are mothers to concentrate on their work. This facility has been replicated in the two other communities. The total cost of the projects is a little over 3 million Ghana cities. Go Shunhai is the mission director for Divine World Mission, the Ghana partner to KFHI. There is no job in this area so much. So the youth, young people, they have no hope. So I wish uh, please everybody uh, this community